Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. So it was a game seven. They stand eye to eye with history, and they did not blink. The Heat are going to the NBA Finals. What a win on the road. Third win in this series. Horford stands in his way. Three and a half to go. Inside. Butler will flush. Good feed from Bam. Outside Martin. On top. Open triple. And he's on one. Caleb Martin is absolutely on fire out here. Booker misses. One and done. And for the second straight year, Phoenix is getting routed at home in an elimination game. Last year it was game seven in the conference semis against Dallas. Tonight in game six in the first half against Denver. As that one spins around and drops it, it's a 32-point lead in a playoff game. And watching the way Scott McGuff was warming up, it was quite a pace out there. It looks like he's getting ready to come into the ball game, not just throwing to get loose. Grab all the right field, Corbin Carroll. Third Diamondback home run tonight, and it's 5-0. Stolen base number 15 for Corbin Carroll. And there he goes again. Corbin Carroll running wild. I mean, this is against one of the best throwing catchers in the major leagues, and he has easily stolen two bases on Kyle Freeland. Nothing that Diaz could do on either one of those. Whoa. He makes it look effortless. Here's the 1-0. Swinging a drive in the air. Deep left field. Guthrie going back to the track, to the wall. And it's gone. Francisco Lindor. Solo home run in the fourth inning. It's his 10th of the year. And the Mets strike first in the battle against Philly. It is 1-0 New York. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, March 31st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7, Heat Celtics Game 7, which is more accurate? The Heat won or the Celtics lost? The Eastern Conference Finals, who should have been the MVP? Jimmy Butler or Caleb Martin? The Suns, who should be the next head coach? Corbin Carroll, is he already the Diamondbacks' best player? Juve Hoops, is Caleb Love a significant boost? Meanwhile, the Mets, is there still hope this season? And what else caught your eye since our last show, which was all the way back to last Friday? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, we'll go around the NBA. That'll include a finals preview at Dan Favela Bleacher Report. 9-30, interactive action at 602 
260-1060, and also the local roundup. That'll include some Suns, some Cardinals, and um, you know, some former, you know, one former Cardinal. We get that, get that for sure. And uh, uh, some Diamondbacks, uh, and uh, time pending, a little Juve basketball. All that in the local roundup, maybe. If we have time for all that. Final segment of the sports zone will be the National Roundup, top by the latest line. And uh, from the scoreboard, and we have the latest line for the NBA Finals, which begin tomorrow night. And from the scoreboard, some baseball from last night. Then after the sports zone, from 10 a.m. to noon, it'll be the extra point hosted by Kayla. that include more phone call time, among other things. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. Now we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And with, uh, today's question is, which is more accurate from Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals? The Heat won or the Celtics lost? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. The Heat won, leading the way, 100% of the vote. Whoa. Okay. The Heat, after finishing the first quarter in a 14-4 run, were never challenged. Really, most of the, you know, I don't think they were personally challenged. Maybe you do, but I don't. In the eventual 103-84 Game 7 win at Boston. Today's Twitter poll question, who should have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, Jimmy Butler or Caleb Martin? And Kayla, what do we have here? We have uh, Jimmy Butler leading the way at 62.5% of the vote. Caleb Martin trailing at 37.5%. And this is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Jimmy Butler received five of the nine votes with Martin receiving the other four. There seemed to be some confusion, at least among one voter, as to whether this was the final, was the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals or whether it was the MVP of the Eastern Conference Playoffs. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns still have a coaching vacancy. Nick Nurse, according to multiple reports, chose the Sixers instead of the Suns, who it appears are down to Doc Rivers, Frank Vogel, and uh, former Monty Williams assistant coach uh, Kevin Young, who would be the best Suns hire between Doc Rivers, Frank Vogel, and Kevin Young. Corbin Carroll continues to shine. The Diamondbacks' top prospect in years, homered and stole two bases in last night's 5-1 win against the Rockies. Is Corbin Carroll already the Diamondbacks' best player? The U of A basketball program uh, added Caleb Love. Love was a big reason North Carolina made an unexpected run to the 2022 NCAA Tournament Championship game. But he was erratic uh, at best last season, and quite frankly, was a significant reason that UNC failed to even reach the 2023 NCAA tournament. Is the U of A basketball program getting a significant boost with the addition of former North Carolina guard Caleb Love? All right, spanning the globe, the Mets are back above 500, and they're just four games behind the Braves in the loss column. Uh, with last night's 2-0 victory against the Phillies. The Mets have lost, excuse me, the Braves have lost the last two days at Oakland, of all places. So, did some count out the, it's, it's, counting out the Mets, did some count them out too soon after their slow start? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? 
All right, that's the pipeline for today. We totally spend this topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update that will be followed by around the NBA playoffs and some NBA discussion away from the, the playoffs in the finals. Dan Favale of Bleacher Report scheduled to join us. And once again, at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time, general discussion. It's 602-260-1060 plus the local roundup, which will be topped by some at least a little Suns and uh, Cardinals and plenty of Diamondbacks and maybe even some U of A hoops. You're listening to Sports Zone. With Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle X HD 2 100.7. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. You're home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Nuggets and the Heat will begin the NBA Finals on Thursday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports by Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. And, Dan, good to have you back on the show. And let's go back to Heat-Celtics Game 7 on Monday night. Uh, which is more accurate, the Heat won or the Celtics lost? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I still think it's the Heat won. I think when you've looked at how they've defended all playoff and the, the steady playoff and the steadiness with which they've been able to play, and yes, they shot what feels like unsustainably high clips from three throughout that series, but they've been able to do that in earlier playoff rounds. I think you look at how their supporting cast, even if it's different guys, has stepped up on a night-to-night basis. Um, with that said, if you're Boston, um, you've lost that series in the sense that you never should have been down 3-0 in the first place in this situation where you need an all-time tip in to force a Game 7, um, and you have a bad game from Jalen Brown where he commits eight turnovers and it absolutely cripples you, or you're dealing with a jail, uh, Jason Tatum injury, or you're worried about Rob Williams. Um, he was throwing up apparently during Game 7. They put themselves in a hole, and I think the method by which they got there, especially when you look at you know the, the latter, you know the first game, the third game, um, the methods by which they got there, you can definitely argue that they were the ones that really helped dig themselves that own hole, which ultimately cost them the series and their season. Who should have been the finals, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, Butler or Caleb Martin? I do think when you look at that series specifically and how much Butler struggled at times offensively, uh, it would have been Caleb Martin for me. I do think the pressure that Jimmy Butler puts on defenses opens up things for everyone else, including Caleb Martin. I also not necessarily framed in this light 
that I don't think we fully grasp co- collectively how much these conference finals MVPs are really looking at the entire postseason at large. Uh, I don't know whether yeah. it should be treated like that, but I do feel like these are almost sort of the you know the, the conference playoffs awards rather than the awards for for just that series. And so when you look at the entire Miami Heat body of work, it pretty clearly would have been Jimmy Butler. But I do think. You know, and you could even see it in the way that the votes panned out where Caleb Martin got four of nine, so came very close to winning it, that if you're looking at just that series um, and what he did on defense, I know people harp on his offense, but Caleb Martin guarded Jason Tatum a lot. Um, he was excellent when the Heat were running zone. He was excellent when he needed to switch. Um, then it probably should have been him for the series. The Celtics, you know, with Jason Tatum hobbling, they needed Jalen Brown. You mentioned he had the eight turnovers. And now he's eligible for a contract extension. Do the Celtics have little choice here but to extend his contract? Yeah. I mean, they could look at the trade market for him, of course, but I don't necessarily know how you improve your team by getting rid of Jalen Brown, who was you know, the second-best player on a team that made it to the finals last year, the second-best player on a team that was good enough to make it to Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 this year. Uh, I think the number is fascinating because I, I do think – Looking back at last year's playoffs, some of the moments this year, how he hasn't necessarily progressed too much as a ball handler or a creator for, for everybody else. Um, does he get the full Supermax, or is there a number where, you know, we saw it with Rudy Gobert, for instance, where, yeah, you get an extension, it's a massive extension, but it's not the full Supermax. And so I do think Boston's kind of in a situation where, unless they're bowled over by a prospective trade or there's just a, a player that becomes available where they're willing to include Jalen Brown, and, and other assets um, to go out and get him, I think you have to continue to float this core because it's still really good. And then you make your focus trying to fuss and fiddle more so on the margins than making any wholesale changes. Speaking of the so-called core here, Al Horford, not nearly as good in the 2023 playoffs as he was in 2022 when they went to the finals. Should Horford have a lesser role next season? I think just naturally as he gets older, that's probably ideal. But he is very core to Boston's identity. When you look at, especially under Joe Missoula, they want to play five out. And I do think that as good as Robert Williams III, he's not as reliable from a health perspective. And there are certain aspects that aren't good for him. And they do have Grant Williams on the roster who can do a lot of the same things in theory that Al Horford can, but he's smaller. He doesn't hold up as well on switches, and he does feel like more of an, an offensive wild card. And so the Boston front line, I think even more so, a lot of people are looking at this Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown pairing or wondering whether the Celtics need to go out and get some sort of floor general or offensive organizer to run at point guard. I think their front court's actually more fascinating because of the injury history with Rob Williams III and just his, his limitations in some matchups and Grant Williams going into restricted free agency. And, of course, Al Horford just getting a little older, and his aging curve has been great for now. But when you when you look at how old he actually is, how many games he's played, how many years he's been in the league, um, you could see that all of a sudden taking a nosedive at any moment. And so they they might need to kind of fortify their their center, their their big man rotation, and different in addition to all these other concerns that I think people have. You mentioned Joe Mazzula. It's been you know, there was all kinds of bizarre circumstances of you know right before the season starts almost he gets the gig and the coaching staff was you know not what you would probably expect and there's already speculation they'll have a different coaching staff next year. 
I don't remember too many teams that have made a, made a conference final that I wondered during the run to the conference final, what are they doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> is it is it a no brainer? No pun intended, I guess. That do they need to have, you know help him on the coaching staff? Yeah, I, I think it is kind of a no brainer, and also yeah, this was his first year as a head coach, and it was a um, a job that he ostensibly wasn't prepared to take. And so you're thrusting him into this situation where he's learning on the fly, didn't have as much time to repair, and that he wasn't allowed to assemble his own staff, which not only did you lose, suspend, and then ultimately dismiss your head coach, Jimmy Udoka, but you lost Will Hardy, who was key to that assistant staff, um, who went to the Utah Jazz and is now their head coach. And so I think this year of experience will be valuable for him. Um, knowing that he's actually going to be the head coach next year unless they're going to fire him. They did extend him, though. That's going to help. And just being able to assemble a staff where, yeah, maybe he'll have his his input, but the team can do a better job of surrounding him with um, more veterans on the sidelines. I think that just goes a long way. But I also wouldn't, even if they weren't to make any changes, and we know that they will, I I don't think we can understate how important it is. Okay, like, okay, now he's been there. Now he's done this. This guy was only 34, and so he's technically younger um, than you know, many players in this league right now. That's going to, I think, ultimately help. And if we start next season and we're still seeing some of the, the same concerns or maybe you don't understand some of their rotations or his use of timeouts, then we can have a larger discussion about it. But I just think under the circumstances, he probably needs to be given uh, a little bit more runway than he has. And I understand why he hasn't been, because the Celtics are really good and they're, they're trying to win now. But I do think that confluence of factors absolutely matters when talking about his future. Okay, on to the finals we go here. The Nuggets are at some places 4-1 to favorites to win the series. Does the 10 days off uh, factor into handicapping the series? Yeah, I'm sure it does because the Heat are, you know, they're not only coming off a grueling seven-game series with Boston, but they were banged up to begin with. You look at no Tyler Hero, no Victor Oladipo, um, and they're even more banged up. I mean, Bam Adebayo looked kind of rough on offense by the end of that Boston series. Jimmy Butler really looks like he's gutting it out. Gabe Vincent um, missed, I think it was game five against Boston. And then mm-hmm. he, so he's dealing with some stuff in game six and seven. Um, if you're the Nuggets, you have to feel pretty good about coming not only well-rested, but now you have home court advantage. And the Heat are getting a little bit longer layoff than they had in between games of the Eastern Conference Finals. But they've just been playing essentially every other day for so long. And I think that... Um, you know, Nikola Jokic is one of the better players at when you're talking about missing, you know, going through an entire offseason and it takes him a little while to get into game shape during training camp. He's just one of the better stars in this league at conserving himself. And we've seen him come out and play like gangbusters after all star break. Um, and so you can liken this to that. And I think just to get that time off in general to unplug, um, to, to game plan, even though you didn't know who your opponent was until the last minute, you still knew it was one of those two teams. I think that ends up helping them a great deal. Denver has a size slash length advantage in almost every position in this series. Uh, does Kevin Love play more, or would the Nuggets just screen and roll him to death? Yeah, you know, uh, this was a fascinating question that uh, I was discussing with a colleague yesterday, actually. And the honest to God answer is I don't know. I think I would expect the Heat to continue to skew smaller, so you're not maybe you don't see Kevin Love at all, or you see very little of him and Cody Zeller because you want some of those bigger bodies to use their fouls on Nikola Jokic. Um, if Miami is going to play a lot of 
against Denver, which I think Denver is busted up. But if that's the route they go, then maybe you can try and get away with a little bit extra of a Kevin Love. But I do think that ultimately the the Nuggets are going to dictate the style of play in this series. And I think that's going to wind up necessitating that Miami continue to run uh, on the smaller ends, where maybe we even see some Haywood Highsmith minutes at center. And there will be games, like we saw at the end of that Boston series, where, okay, Kevin Love didn't play, Cody Zeller played two minutes. So I do think that by series end, we could see some of that just because of how Denver's offense is run and what Miami needs to do defensively. And so I, I think ultimately I could see it going a different way because it is Coach Bo and he'll try anything. But unless we see some foul trouble um, in the rest of Miami's front court to Bam Adebayo, I don't know that we see a ton of um, Kevin Love or Cody Zeller in this series. You're reading my mind here because my next question is, is Bam going to be able to stay out of foul trouble in this series against Jokic? Uh, only if he's probably not guarding Jokic. I mean, if you're like, if you want to try and pull, um, and that would, I guess, be the the thought of if you played him with Kevin Love, is can you just try and throw Kevin Love on Jokic and have Bam roam around, and that should limit his trouble and also enable him to pitch in when you look at all these other pet off-ball actions that Denver runs. I just wouldn't suggest it because I think that, you know, Bam out of bio is going to have a tough time defending Jokic one-on-one. Kevin Love is going to get absolutely roasted and I don't think you know where the Lakers could throw a LeBron James on him or a Rui Hachimura or maybe even a Jared Vanderbilt he don't have that player I don't think you want to throw Jimmy Butler or Kayla Martin on a Nikola Jokic and so I think that's the dilemma that they're facing and I, I think Bam is good enough to maybe stay out of foul trouble but he's not good enough in those even those one-on-one situations to slow down what Jokic is is going to do to do best. And when he puts the ball on the floor, he will be able to draw fouls. You could throw two at the ball to help out Bam, but then Nicole Jokic is absolutely going to dissect um, the rest of your defense by making the, the right and probably least obvious pass. I think that's why, but I don't think that's why. We all know why that. that's why he's not double teamed as often as other stars in this league because of the reads he's able to make out of those situations. Can Miami play zone with some success against Denver? They certainly had some success against that when they played uh, with that when they played against uh, against Boston the last few weeks, a couple weeks here. I I honestly don't know. I would we know though, and uh, you know, Caitlin Cooper from Basketball she wrote had tweeted this out after the Celtics game seven. Denver had the best offense when going up against zone in the regular season, and yeah. they have the shooters to where if they're not able to cut through it. They can make shots, but they also just have the off-ball movement and the passing when you look at Nikola Jokic and the ability for him to just kind of bust through the center of things um, to take down those approaches. And it's also why they probably didn't see zone played against them all that much during the regular season. And so I don't think it can become this crutch like it basically was for Miami in the, the Eastern Conference Finals. However, we've seen Jamal Murray go through peaks and valleys from the outside. Um, we've seen Aaron Gordon be hesitant to, to take jumpers. We've seen even Michael Porter Jr. struggle from the field. Um, we know that Bruce Brown is, you know, if you're going to be able to cut off his, his rim pressure, he is not the steadiest three-point shooter. So I could see a pathway where if Denver's supporting cash isn't necessarily making their jumpers, and if you are able to cut off some of their path to the basket and bust up some of those actions before Nicole Jokic or Jamal Murray is able to get them the ball, um, there are games, I guess, where they could struggle. I just think because of everything else they do and just like this symphony of things that are happening in the half court on offense for them, I don't know that they're a team that you can really 
um, use zone again uh, to the upteenth degree. So I'm sensing that you like Denver in the series. Uh, if that's accurate, how many games do you think it might go? So I picked Denver in five, and I just think that they're the significantly better team. And it just comes with a caveat that, you know, Heat fans, Heat analysts can just point towards the past three series, and they don't even have to use conventional logic on the court and say, well, look what we've done. And I can't argue against them because this team has been so inexplicable for most of this postseason that I could see something wild happening. But I think when you look on paper, when you start to dig into how these two teams are playing, when you start to dig into the states of their rosters and the rotations and the individual matchups, yeah, there'll be an inclination to say, well, they have Jimmy Butler, and look at how well Kayla Martin is playing. Could they push it to seven? Could they actually win? But he arguably need Kayla Martin to be even better than he was in the Eastern Conference Finals to keep up with this version of the Nuggets. And so I'm pretty bullish on Denver, not just winning this series, but winning it in fairly short fashion. All right, Dan, rapid fire here, some off uh, away from the finals things. Uh, let's start with the coaching front. The Suns, uh, Nick Nurse, according to multiple reports, chose the Sixers instead of the Suns. The Suns apparently down to Doc Rivers, Frank Vogel, and former Monty Williams assistant coach Kevin Young. Any preference there? I think I'd probably just go with who Devin Booker and Kevin Durant approve of most, which feels like it's Kevin Young at this point. I will say that if you're getting rid of Monty Williams and you end up hiring one of his assistants or just pivoting to Doc Rivers or Frank Vogel, um, like you said, Nick Nurse may have pulled out of that gig, but that just feels like a pretty uninspiring outcome overall to me when you're looking at these final candidates. I would agree with that. Okay, Nick Nurse goes to Philadelphia. Adrian Griffin goes to Milwaukee. Uh, apparently, that was Giannis's preferred choice. Uh, your your thoughts of Nurse to Philly and Griffin to Milwaukee? The Griffin decision shocked me a little bit, but I think if Giannis wanted him and Griffin has been named as that sort of one of those next coaches up for a while, I kind of understand the dice roll, especially, again, coming back to Giannis. And the Nurse in Philly is interesting because I do think it kind of um, – intimates that, okay, maybe James Harden is coming back because why do you take that job, especially over the reports he pulled out of Milwaukee and then there's reports he pulled out of Phoenix. So why do you take um, Philly's job over any one of those if there's any real uncertainty about Harden? I am just interested when you look at how much he likes to play his top guys, how that winds up bearing if you do have James Harden getting older and then a still fairly injury-prone but I think that hire, maybe it's probably the most fascinating one that has been made all offseason so far. Okay, last up, the Warriors, Bob Myers, I think probably expected, at least by some, step down. Where does he land, and uh, is Mike Dunleavy the next dude in San Francisco at the Warriors? Yeah, to answer the second part first, I think that it'll be sort of this joint effort between Kirk Lacob and, and Mike Dunleavy. Those will be the two loudest and most powerful voices in the front office. For Bob Myers, I honestly don't expect him to land anywhere, at least not immediately. Um, there aren't a ton of openings right now, and I think this is very much a decision that was sort of rooted in the next opportunity maybe being something that's not even related to running a basketball team. There's been people who've mentioned private equity. Maybe he gets into the ownership, or maybe he just takes the beat off and then ends up you know, with a different organization in a couple years. But next season specifically, I would be fairly surprised if he winds up being employed or, or running um, another team's front office. Dan, always good talking to you. Fountain of information. Thanks much. No problem. Thanks for having me as always. Take care.
All right, Dan Favale, Bleacher Report. Read all his work at uh, Bleacher Report uh, in various locations and uh, check all that out. All right, next segment, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060 and also today's local roundup. We'll get to uh, as much as we can the local roundup front. Depends on phone call and volume if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. A little more on the Suns, a little more uh, hopefully on the Cardinals. The DeAndre Hopkins situation, that story broke while we were on the air last Friday. There's been a few more things that have happened since then and speculation. And then the Diamondbacks have uh, obviously played, uh, let me see here, five more games since we were last here. And they won four of those, including last night. And uh, we'll get to hopefully a little bit of that in the next segment. If not, we'll certainly have plenty of time during the extra point. From 10 to noon, hosted by Kayla to get to that. And uh, if time really kind of falls on my my way here, the next segment, a little U of A basketball with the Caleb Martin edition, Caleb uh, Loved edition, excuse me. Ready to bring KTUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KUSA AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time at the KDUS Hotline 602-260-1060. Get to your phone calls in just a couple of seconds. First up, rapid fire here, our local roundup. The Suns, it appears, are down to three candidates. In case you missed uh, the pipeline at the top of the hour, the last segment with Dan. Uh, Doc Rivers, Frank Vogel, and uh, the former Monty Williams lead assistant, Kevin Young, are the guys. Of these three, Doc Rivers is obviously the best choice. Frank Vogel was a bad, really bad game day coach, especially in the playoffs when he was with Indiana. I know he was with the championship Lakers as the head coach, but that was in the bubble. And actually, a healthy and rested LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Remember, there was the delay before the bubble, obviously. Kevin Booker and Kevin Durant, uh, excuse me, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant reportedly won Kevin Young. If Durant had been more efficient against the Nuggets, and if Booker wasn't awful in game six against the Nuggets, Monty Williams would still be the head coach of the Suns, which he still should be. By the way, in the last few minutes, it's being reported that the Pistons are making a significant push to hire Monty Williams as their next head coach. Meanwhile, according to uh, uh, actually, let's go to the Cardinals for a second. DeAndre Hopkins officially cleared waivers on Tuesday. That means he's now a free agent. In case you missed it also, Hopkins has hired an agent. He hasn't had one in recent years. He's hired Clutch Sports uh, as his representation. As we also speculated last Friday, one of the reasons that they released Hopkins is he uh, refused to restructure his contract if traded to anybody, which further reduced his already low trade value at that point. The Chiefs, Bills, and Browns appear to be legitimate landing spots for Hopkins. Uh, I'm not buying the Patriots thing because it seems really unlikely because Bill O'Brien is now the offensive coordinator. He and Hopkins obviously had issues in Houston, which play some role, if not the biggest role, as to why Houston traded Hopkins to the Cardinals. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks played one of their best games of the season. On Tuesday night, Zach Gallon six shutout innings. 
Corbin Carroll homeward and stole two bases in the victory. Uh, Gallon, after two subpar starts in the uh, Pennsylvania part of the last road trip, he allowed five hits, two walks, struck out uh, seven in the 5-1 to one victory against the Rockies. Uh, two other Gallon notes. He's now 6-0 and zero at home, and Gabriel Moreno was a starting catcher. Uh, Jose Herrera had been the starting catcher for Gallon in most of his recent starts. Meanwhile, uh, Carroll has now had nine homers and stolen 16 bases and 18 attempts. But to answer today's pipeline question, he is not, not at least right now, the Diamondbacks' best player, Christian Walker, with the power bat in the gold glove defense right now is the Diamondbacks' best player. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, since May 12th, my mom's birth date, uh, have baseball's third best record, 11-5, and five, behind only the Astros at 13-4 and four, and the Yankees at 13-5. and five. Tonight is game three of the four-game series against the Rockies. Tommy Henry goes to the mound. Uh, in his brief major league career, which was you know, part of last year and so far this year, he's two and zero with a 5.91 earned run average and two starts against the Rockies. But both of those were at Coors Field, so we'll see what happens this uh, particular night. And also quickly, the UVA basketball program made news on Tuesday. Uh, in case you missed the pipeline, Caleb Love announced his transfer from North Carolina to the UVA. Uh, Also, to repeat from earlier this hour, he was a big reason North Carolina made an unexpected run to the 2022 NCAA Tournament Championship game, but he was erratic, uh, maybe selfish uh, last season. It was a significant reason why UNC didn't even reach the NCAA Tournament. Uh, He's had an interesting situation here. He's been, been viewed as a selfish player by some. There's actually been... Yeah, some talk out there that the Carolina players returning did not want him to return, so he left, and he didn't really leave by choice. He was just kind of said, don't come back. Uh, Love originally committed to Michigan, but he was rejected uh, for academic requirement issues and not allowed to uh, enroll at the University of Michigan. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Bob, how you doing? How was the long weekend? Good, thank you. Good, good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Diamondbacks. Maybe it's my natural pessimism as a uh, as a lifelong Mets fan, um, but I <laughs> got a little worried um, at the type of loss um, they suffered. I think it was last Wednesday against Philadelphia when they had a chance to sweep and should have sealed the deal and blew a game late and lost in 10 um, and then came home and lost two immediately to the Red Sox. Um, so I thought Sunday was a really big game for them, and Kelly was, again, uh, terrific. And then, obviously, they kind of righted the ship here against the uh, better-than-we-thought-but-not-very-good Colorado team. So um, I think it's been a good uh, week here, and, and what are your thoughts on at least that in terms of uh, of the Diamondbacks and how they overcame what I thought was a really bad loss. And I think it especially affects the younger teams more than it would uh, veteran clubs. I would agree with that. I would also say that most of their losses this year, uh, maybe I shouldn't say most, but they've had several losses this season that have been yep. in agonizing fashion. I agree. Because uh, their, bull, their bullpen has failed them, and yeah. this is a something that's been going on for three or four years with what, a half dozen relief pitchers that just haven't been great. I think they've got some pieces I'm not sure if, you know, obviously they don't, I mean, Lavello believes this, 
Uh, he they don't have a one shutdown ninth inning guy. It kind of yep. depends on who's available, who's pitched the night before, whether it's lefties or righties coming up in the ninth inning, etc. They need obviously to add if they the, the National League is so bad that I would be yes, I think I'd be surprised if they don't make the playoffs at this point, but. If they want to do something in the postseason, yep. uh, they're going to have to add at least one or two starting pitchers and some more bullpen help. So along those lines, um, I was kind of thinking last night watching them get lambasted uh, again by the Yankees. Um, Jerry Depoto, uh, big fan of the trade. Um, and I know they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of runs scored in both the American League and, and Major League Baseball as a whole. Um, but they have a, a, a lot of young, controllable starting pitching, um, especially with the emergence of, of Miller, even though he was not very good on Monday. Um, could they make, a, I guess I'll call it a baseball trade in terms of a young, controllable pitcher for some offense? And does that possibly fit what the Diamondbacks would be looking for, considering their outfield depth? Maybe, maybe not. They're definitely looking. I heard Depoto interviewed Sunday on XM Radio, uh, and he was uh, one of the guests and uh, okay. on the uh, on the front office show with you know, that show. Duquette. Yeah, that's the best show. That's the best three hours of baseball every week, by the way, from seven to ten a.m. our time. Uh, but yeah, they he was on there, and he all but said. They're not going to trade any pitching. Uh, they okay. love their staff. You can make a case that they have the best pitching staff, like one through ten in baseball. Totally agree. Absolutely. But he certainly wants to add an outfielder, and he desperately wants to add a second baseman. Okay. And also, Depoto's history is well. There's a lot of things about his trade history, <laughs> but one of the I think maybe the most constant thing he doesn't wait till the deadline. I mean, Absolutely. he whenever. The so-called early trade period, he's the one that seems to usually cash in on that. So no I would expect them to do – and they, they're in a division where Houston, obviously, I just mentioned they're on a nice run here lately. They're getting players back from injury, yep. even though some of their pitchers aren't going to come back all season, unfortunately. They need a starter but as well. Just add them to the list. Right. That's true. They're getting better. And then, yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, Texas, they're, they're legitimate. If Texas adds, a, you know, they need some bullpen help. But other yeah, than like, that, yep. they have a tremendous team. Uh, you know, yes, as long do. as they're starting pitching, I'm not even counting DeGrom here. They just want him to be healthy in September somehow yep. or October now. Uh, but you know, they, they have a really, really good team if they can figure out how to get the last nine outs of a game. I totally agree. And, and lastly, uh, the Mets. Um, can I go with maybe to the answer uh, as your question of your question? Um, in That's terms a step of, up, they, though. <laughs> yeah, are they back in it? My my issue is I think that's more a result of the Braves' lack of players than it is the Mets being significantly better. So um, the Mets have starting pitching starting pitching issues still. They've been bad on the road. Um, the one thing I'll say in terms of upside, Lindor and McNeil have not hit at all. Um, so if they can hit, um, obviously it would add to uh, Alonzo and, and Nimmo. Um, I think the young guys have kind of instilled some energy into that team. But yeah. I still have some major questions, and I think if the Braves end up getting 
their pitcher's healthy, um, I still think they're far and away the class of the East. I agree with that, but uh, as far as the playoffs go, it's the National League. So yeah, if it fair. were the American League, we could probably say forget it. But uh, yeah, it's yeah the National League. They're going to have to have X number of teams in the postseason, and uh, right now, I think the Mets would be one of those teams. I know, I know, they're not mathematically one of those teams, yeah, but no, as far as just yeah, so there you go. Appreciate All right, Matt, good, good, good stuff. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, next segment we will wrap up the sports zone. That'll be after the uh, the news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's sports zone, as I might have already said, uh, with the national roundup. That'll be topped by the NBA Finals latest line, a little from the scoreboard action for Major League Baseball. We'll try to get in a few injury updates and maybe if we have a little couple extra seconds, which we may or may not have, a little grapevine from the baseball trade deadline etc and there have been some baseball injuries needless to say we have been here for five days so there have been some key injuries including one key pitcher that is going to be a big part of the trade deadline if he's healthy and right now he's not healthy because he was placed on the injured list yesterday you're listening to sports with bob kemp on kdus am 1060 and kdus kdus am 1060 and kslx hd 200.7 i'm out of practice Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back to the final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2100.7. Topping the uh, NBA postseason latest line, game one of the finals. That is uh, tomorrow night in Denver. And Denver opened an eight-and-a-half-point favor over Miami. The consensus worldwide is uh, Denver now a nine-point favorite in game one. Denver is the heavy favorite to win the series. Anywhere from minus 350. I even saw minus 450 yesterday. Uh, So they are a heavy favorite to win the finals. Uh, Tyler Hero has uh, been doing some basketball activities and don't think we've seen an official thing of whether he's going to be available for the finals or not, but there's certainly lots of speculation that he will be. Meanwhile, from the Tuesday MLB scoreboard, the Mets shut out the Phillies. Cody Singa uh, allowed one hit through seven dominant innings. Francisco Lindor homered. The Mets beat the Phillies 2-0. That was their first meeting this season between the two NL East rivals. New York now 28 and 27. They've won six straight at home. Senga has a 120 yard run average and five starts at City Field. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, really good as far as he struck out a lot of guys at home too. Meanwhile, the Braves have lost the last two days at Oakland, and they're now just four games ahead of the uh, of the Mets in the, uh, the loss column. Uh, this is the first time that the uh, – actually, the A's lost their first nine series at home, one shy of the Oakland all-time record. The A's are now – they've won two straight, and they're going to win this series. The Braves, by the way, are here on Friday. We'll preview and give an update on the Braves being the 9-15 segment of the sports zone. Seth Brown scored a fielding error by Austin Riley in the ninth inning as the uh, – the, uh, 
the A's beat the Braves 2-1 last night. Some injury updates. Julio Urias of the Dodgers suffered an injury setback last week. Will not return from the injured list when eligible, which is like right now or close to today. By the way, the Dodgers are being mentioned in the Corbin Burns and Tim Anderson trade rumors, among other teams. The Orioles placed Cedric Mullins on the 10-day injured list with a right groin strain. They actually said yesterday that they're hoping he will be out for weeks, not months, or somebody said that, but you know the weeks part they mentioned. Meanwhile, the Tigers, left-handed uh, starting pitcher uh, Eduardo Rodriguez placed on the 15-day injured list yesterday, retroactive to May the 29th with a right index finger injury. He's expected to be a hot trade deadline commodity. He has a 213 or run average, 298 whip. He has a 67 to 16 strike uh, strikeout to walk ratio. He's pitched 67 and two thirds innings over 11 starts this season. Also heard through the grapevine, Brewers manager Craig Council. He's a free agent right now, at least at the end of the season. Escalating discussion that he's looking to move on. He's one of baseball's best managers, the former Diamondback. The Cubs. I began this week with the worst record in the in the, uh, in the National League. So that prompted some speculation that they, you know, David Ross, the manager, might be in danger of losing his job. If the Cubs are sellers, Valley product Cody Bellinger, who's on a one-year contract, he could be traded. Right now, unfortunately, Bellinger on the injured list, not expected to be back until May, uh, mid-June at the earliest, according to the Cubs. And the White Sox likely to be big sellers at the trade deadline. Giolito and Cease and Lance Lynn and Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Moncada, Liam Hendricks, who just came back this week from the cancer. All those guys mentioned as possible trade possibilities. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone. Stay tuned. In the next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.